until it got dark. And then when it dark, the, the, the fight just got more intense. And all I could remember was blood just going oh. from her face. And um, my oldest sister was just crying and trying to pull him off. We're in the back seat. And I remember just traumatized. I remember this little girl and I could even reminisce. And For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Jeremiah 2011. Welcome to another inspiring episode of Podcast with Sheila. With me today is a passionate speaker and author of the epitome of Kimmy, Kimberly and Bill. Kimberly will be sharing with us stories from a painful and traumatic childhood in kinship care to abusive relationships, teen pregnancy and maturity. As usual, if you've not yet subscribed, head on and hit on the subscribe button and come back. We'll be here waiting for you. And whilst you're at it, don't forget to share it and be a blessing to someone else. Hello, Kimberly, and welcome to Podcast with Sheila. Hi, Sheila. How are you? I'm doing good. Good. We are delighted to have you. Do you have a favorite quote you'd like to share with us today? Well, um, one, I have many, but one that come in mind is if you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change your attitude for Maya Angelou. So that's one of my favorites of hers. Great. If you don't like something, change it. That's a good one. Can you tell us a bit about you before we set the ball rolling, just so that our audience will get to know who Kimberly really is? Um, a little bit about me is that... Um, I am 48. I am a single parent of four adult children and one minor. Uh, she'll be six years old, uh, December the 2nd. I am a, one of the best case managers in, uh, for the state, um, um, MDH um, in Maryland. And um, I've been working for home, been blessed to be able to work from home um, of this career of choice for the last year. Uh, I love dancing. I love nature. I love life. Um, I'm in the process with uh, uh, investing, investing time with me, um, my self-worth, who I am, um, the resilience that I had um, become, and um, the skills that I have uh, had been cultivated through my um, Adopted Dad and how it's just, um, since the book has just the courage and the release of um, my characteristics and my personality of the true essence of, of Kimmy has just been brought forth and just has been blossoming. And I'm just so blessed to be able to uh, go through this path, the journey of my life, to be able to share with others that um, I just don't see myself as um, a victim, but an overcomer and anybody else. Um, if I could do it, you could do it. Great, great. That's a great one there. So um, from what I know, a little bit I know about your story, you had a painful childhood and it says that your parents abandoned you. Can we start from there? Okay. Yeah. Well, pretty much of that um, I do remember and recall is that um, there was a um, awful... Uh, fight this particular one was worse than any fight that I remember um it wasn't not normal to see physical abuse 
um, in my home before I was six, five years old. I was um, raised in a home in the beginning with a foundation, not seeing love, not seeing um, affection between my mother and my father, but the arguing, the uh, discord. And um, most of all, the discord that she would display to me. And um, that was always um, a profound moment because um, the woman that I wanted the attachment and the love from, I never, never got. Um, and at, at that age, little that I can remember, um, I found myself trying um, to be the quietest, to be the sweetest, to, to yearn for some type of affection that she just, she just did not give. So one particular um, incident that was one of the worst incidents that I could remember uh, the major fight, my, my older sister, she's two years older than me. We were rushed into the car and at, at that time, it's in the seventies and I remember the song playing mm -hmm. and we rode around listening at this music and um, we, he, he's a bass guitar um, player and he played music in churches and I was always around music so that wasn't as um, weird to me it was just that we were riding so many places and stopping and stopping and song after song was playing until it got dark and then when it dark the the, the fight just got more intense and all I could remember was blood just going oh. from her face and um, my oldest sister was just crying and trying to pull him off we're in the back seat and I remember just traumatized I remember this little girl and I could even reminisce and look back at this little girl shut completely yeah. down Sheila I just I could not cry it was like I was numb I was absolutely frozen and I remember looking back at my sister and and hurt that she was hurt but I couldn't cry and then I'm looking at my mother saying what in, in my mind, like, what in the world is going on? I, I love this woman. I don't want her to be hurt like this. Then I'm looking at my dad and feeling like, well, every time that he came in, he showed me love. He would put me up in his arms, but he was hardly there. He was always in and out, in and out. So I'm like, what in the world? So all the emotions are in my spirit and in my head like what in the world well we end up to my grandmother my grandparents house which is her her um her parents and I remember them arguing and I remember my grandfather having this I mean one of the craziest look in his face because he he's definitely displeased that his daughter's being brought there with his grandkids in this condition yeah. and I remember them passing words and whatever words were said my dad said come on Kim and he was arguing with um, my mother, but I had to be the one go. So I remember getting in the car with him and we went and we rode and he said nothing. I don't remember any conversation at all uh, where I was going, if I was going anywhere or being dropped off. And I'm, I'm staying in silence because I'm, I'm shocked. Um, my, my sister stayed and uh, I, I, I'm, I'm with him. So I remember him um, coming, um, taking me to uh, this place where this woman and this man lived. And this is his 
biological sister, which is the oldest of them, which yeah. is my paternal aunt. Now, I have never stayed a night with them, and I remember them vaguely, but I remember being dropped off, and this was the, this was the starting point that I kind of put in my book, uh, besides of what I've heard, why, and how my name came about, the Kimberly and all that, um, of my, my journey, of my uh, journey of who I am today. So I was dropped off. And um, I remember him saying something to my, my adopted mother at that, you know, at that time, and he left. And I'm five. And I remember them showing me where I sleep. And I remember just a mind just go blank, a voice that just disappears, a cry that could not come out a yell that was just shut down, scream that it didn't matter if I did scream because nobody cared. All of these just, I grew up with. And I remember um, laying there and not knowing what tomorrow would bring, but understanding and knowing even at that time that there was a higher power. There was something there that I held on to right then that I wasn't in this thing alone, that tomorrow would come and whatever was going to happen tomorrow, yeah. this higher power, this presence over me was still going to be with me. Exactly. Yeah. My God. So um, I waited and as days go by, as months go by, no one never came back to get me. Um, I wanted them. Too. I wanted to be reunited to my sister. I had questions. I had, uh, you know, um, but the answers that was given to me was, you're staying here. We love you. Um, uh, you're ours. Um, you call her little mom, mom, daddy, Bill, dad. Um, and no type and and this is why my the picture is so um so amazing because as um I was getting ready to um get the design of the cover I was talking to the my promoter and I was like I don't know how what I would even want on the fur to um to kind of bring my book to life yeah and um the epitome of Kimmy when it's my journey and so I started thinking and I said, hey, I said, wait a minute. I said, um, I have no baby pictures. I have no pictures in my possessions of them together or me and my sister together. Um, I, I, I only have this birth certificate that I was able to see. Once I got a job, my first job, I was able to see this birth certificate that was now a birth certificate of my, my um, adopted parents. I never seen anything besides that, that has said that I was my biological mother and father. Yeah. So I said, I'm going back into my photo album and I'm gonna go and see what picture that I had first. And that's how I came up with that picture. That's the kindergarten picture. My first picture of the um, picture that I have possessed in my life of in my younger years. That's a beautiful picture on, on the Thank cover. You. It, yeah, it's really beautiful. Thank you. It's really beautiful. But I want to ask, so you never met your parents again after that? Yes. Then? Yes. Okay. 
Yes, I did. Yes, oh, but did. I, I, I never received what I wanted. <laughs> yes, I did. My, my, with the relationship that my um, biological dad had with my, with um, his sister, which is my, um, my biological aunt, was a, it was a good relationship, I guess, because he would come often. He would come by, and he would even come by as the years went by and, and introduce him to introduce them to my uh, his his um, another family, him having um, news that he was um, expecting other children. Oh. But it was like I was forgotten yeah. that I was their church, their their his child. Yeah. Um and um in, in the earlier days, Sheila, um because this was all fresh. I guess he was trying to get me a uh, custom or whatever by saying, um, I'm going to come back and get you, yeah. which was well, the wrongest thing to do because he would have me waiting and he would never show up. Yeah. So I'm having my hopes build up in the like six and seven year old and thinking that um, having my bags packed, well, he said he just came by and yeah. talked to my mother and his sister and said, um, you know, Kimmy, I'm coming to get you and I'm, you know, we're going to go somewhere. I'm going to spend time. And he would never come. He would never show up. So I remember my adopted dad having a, a, a tough conversation with him, and he was very stern. And my adopted dad was a lot older than my mother, okay. but he was very wise. And I remember him saying, um, stop. I remember him putting his foot down a couple of times about him um, building my hopes up and not coming to yeah. not, not and, and just seeing me melt, you know, have this, you know, meltdown. And so after that conversation, I do remember that uh, that conversation even lifted the time longer before I seen him again because yeah. <laughs> I didn't hear him upset. Oh so I didn't see him alone. So my but my biological mother, after a while, um, as I got older, I was able to go and visit her and my siblings. But it was a tough like 2020 because. When I came back to my adopted mother's home after visiting, I would still be in sad, oh. uh, very sad grieving here because yeah. I still didn't get what I wanted. I wanted to reunite and stay. I wanted the love. And when I went there to visit, it was just like I was a visitor. It was not yeah. um, no- Do you feel uh, like part of the family? Yes, it was no caress. It was no welcoming, you know, and I, and I would just, I remember just looking at her in a daze and saying to myself for years, um, when I would go and visit her, do you even love me? Yeah. What has happened? What is wrong? What, what happened to me? Why? You know, could you just put your arms around me? I don't remember any of those moments when I was little that you held me and rocked me and, and said that things was going to be all right and that you loved me and you were kind. None of that. So maybe this particular time this will come. And Sheila, each time the visit wouldn't. So I think my adopted parents could see that. Yeah. And so after a while, they stopped. They just stopped letting me go. And um, I'm looking at, here's this broken justification no one fought for me not my father he just went right on with his life and got a new family my had God. other kids not my mother so Sheila I'm bringing all this baggage into my 
young adult and adult life of who would ever love me enough to fight for me? Who would ever want just me? Yeah. Yeah. Kimmy, um, this, (laughs) I'm sitting here with a lot of emotions. When I hear stories like this, it breaks my heart. If you've listened to previous um, episodes, you hear me say all the time, I think almost every episode I say that I'm passionate about women and children because I work around women a lot. Yeah. And I'm a woman and a mother as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes some of these things, when women go through and our children at home, I always say that what is the impact on the child or the children? What oh, yeah. does that impact be? Yes. You get it. And I, I'm lost for words, but I can't say how bad will anybody hurt you as a man for you to lift your hand against a woman? How bad? Mm-hmm. How bad? If right. you cannot deal with it, just right. leave quietly. Right. Yes. You get it. There are children at home. Yes. You are lifting yes. your hands. You're raising your voice. You're shouting. How are yes. these children going to feel? Yes. I think sometimes we forget that the children are watching. Well, exactly. It's, it's, and it and it and it and it like the foundation. Um, I get what you're saying, Sheila, and I and I and I tell mothers and I tell fathers and I, you know, and I am even reminded in my life, you know, and raising my kids, the foundation is so crucial for for your children and what they see and what they get exposed to and what you give them, you know, um, because it it's something that they feel and as as our responsibility as our accountability and nurturing these young people these living people i for years i thought that i was not a gift i wasn't one to give that's my first chapter it's because both parents left me i mean and and what and what and this was not my my choice and then Besides that, before they left me, look what atmosphere, environment they were responsible and accountable for had me and my sister in, like you were just saying. Yeah. So the children are trusting on us for love. And sometimes we take all of those things for granted. Mommy, I want to have, and I'm too tired, I'm busy, go away, go away. And mommy, can I get a case? Mommy, can I, I, for me, I get it all the time. Even when I'm in bed. When I'm in when right. I'm in bed early in the morning, as early as four, my son will just walk in, and uh-huh. when he opens the door like that, and the light from the corridor comes in, <laughs> it gets into my eye. My eyes are open, so I know he's walking. Mommy, can I get a hug? And I never yes. find it strange. I never. Yes, yes, yes. So I give it that, to him, and then he yes, stays in bed a little, and then he goes. You know, right? And that's what I do too. Uh, and I and I do to my adult children, but I also definitely do a lot with mine yay she's she like i said she's five now yeah. but a lot of times i'll watch my i catch myself in needles i said even though i was 15 when i had my first one sheila i always promised and i vowed and i think i sometimes i overcompensated because of what i went through yeah. but yeah. i said they would never yeah. none of my kids would never feel the longing or, or feel the lack of love from this mother that yeah. i felt with mine 
So I made that vow when I first had my first child. And um, now, you know, I have five, but with Manye, I'll catch myself and periodically I'll say at least once or twice during the day, I said, can I have a hug? Yeah. <laughs> because we need, you know, we need it as mothers. Exactly. It is, it's, it's meant for me, but yet, but yet I want her to feel that affection and that embrace and that moment that yes, no matter, like you said, I'm providing, you're yeah. making sure I make sure that you got food on your, on in your, in your stomach and you got clothes on your back. Yeah. It's no substitute for time, love, and your energy Seriously. and what you instill in a child, no substitute. It's not, not one material thing that you can give them that could substitute those things. You're right, Kimmy. And there's one thing that I just want to throw in, if anybody is listening, because this kind of situation is happening all over the place. And for some reason, I think that a lot of relationships are going through a lot lately. Right. Lately. And for me as a woman, what I'll say is, if you find yourself in this situation, don't allow it to overwhelm you. Yeah. Get out as soon as you can. Yeah. Because another thing I see is, whilst you stay in longer, depression sets in. And yeah. depression changes your, your personality. Mm-hmm. And depression. attitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It just changes your image. You get to look old and you get it. So your life cannot even move on the way you want it because depression, I don't know, it breaks you ease quickly. It breaks you. And it transfers. It transfers over and and, and to everybody that's connected to you. Like I've been, and ironically, I've seen this and found myself having to cut the generational curse because I got into physical um, uh, physical abuse yeah. relationships. And until I said enough, yeah. I am worth more. Love is not meant for me to have anyone put their hands on me, to hurt me, to cause me disrespectful names. That is not what I'm worth. And that is not what God has created me to receive. And I will not stay in it. I will not. It's not worth it. Somebody's calling you names, bringing you down. The moment they they try to talk to you, they want to put you down before they even make their statement, bring their work. All those things, they're not worth it. I think that every woman, because once they start hating you, they're going to keep doing it. Oh, yeah. And and, and I've had whoever's listening, like you were saying, Sheila, this is domestic awareness. uh, awareness month so it's erotic that we're 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 still elaborating on this subject but i've had i can speak i live those grace periods but what i can tell you sheila that i will never forget and i am glad that i am able to tell someone else once you fear someone and once you know in your mind and can have that doubt that they will do it again that it's over yeah. It's over because that is not worth sticking it out and staying in. I had to cut a relationship off because I doubt it and it had happened. And even though it's been years or months before the physical altercation happened, there's a doubt that it won't never happen again. So you know what? I don't take that risk with my life. Exactly. First of all, it should have happened one time. Yeah. So I'm not going to live in fear and doubting will this ever happen again because like you said sheila nine times out of ten it will happen again in a shape or form 
So it's not worth my life to me. Now that I'm almost 50, I can't take that risk. If I fear someone, fear is not love. It isn't. Fear is not love. And God did not create us to have and help me or anyone in our life, whether it's a father, mother, sister, uh, um, a boyfriend, husband, to fear. Yeah. To fear that they will hurt you. No. No. One time somebody said, they went to a meeting and a work meeting. And after the meeting, they were, I think they were having lunch after the meeting. And somebody said, she, as a woman, she's used to it when her husband beats her up. Because in that way, she sees that the man loves her. So I think that some men have it at the back of their minds that women like to be beaten. Mm-hmm. So when the person said that, I said, no, no. it doesn't work with me. And I, don't, no. I believe it may not work with other women as right. well because growing up i never ever for once ever saw that my ma- my father lifted his hand against my mom mm-hmm. they had arguments as human mm-hmm. beings because they mm-hmm. come from different backgrounds and they've come together as a married couple so they would not always reason on the same level they would mm-hmm. talk you can see that they had their argument but in a decent manner right right and so, i think that's a form of the manipulation and control But I know once I got adopted in my adopted home, I never, never witnessed physical abuse between them two. Thank God. I I witnessed now they didn't agree with everything. And I remember him saying when she, because my my mom would go on and on and on. Sometimes he would say, now, little mom, I think you said enough. I think you said enough. Or he'll walk out. Yeah. Or he'll walk outside and, and get some breath, uh, fresh air and come back or whatever. Yeah. But um, I do remember I was in, in, in my, my, first, my second marriage that I talk about in my book. Yeah. And um, that was the one that he was 11 years older than me. And um, I was scared to tell my dad that um, he was, uh, he had hit me or physical abuse um, going on in the house. And he, it, and I remember him, him believing you know, it was happening, yeah. but was waiting for me to come out and say, and I, he had a discussion in front of me to um, my husband at that time. And he said, I don't even put my hands on her. If yeah. you have to feel that you got to put your hands on her, bring her back home. Exactly. I remember him saying that. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's even in back there in the generation or whatever, it's, we, we as women have to value ourselves more, value our body more, value our mind more, and take a stand and know that we are not created for that. Our self-worth is better than that. And stick to it. One thing that um, I had a problem doing and I, and, and I learned that even when I used to minister and, and talk to people, what I have to say and what I do say, I live. Yeah. I live what I say. You follow what I'm saying, Sheila? Yeah, yeah. And it takes courage to do that, but I will not speak on anything or do something or say something that I'm not living myself. Yeah. So, and and I'm not, don't get me wrong, not saying that it's easy because we can get into that manipulating mind frame that um, even if we have seen it watching, we know that it's wrong. We know certain treatments and relationships as wrong as it's not healthy. We get into the set bad habit pattern and feel that this is what we should deal with and accept. And it's not true. It's even not how God 
I believe that's not how God designed marriage exactly. to be. Exactly. But you, but you see, Sheila, sometimes even with that, you go into religion and men into certain religions uh, um, construe the, the word and that submission mm. and feel like mm. that, yes, and feel like that, that submission gives them entitled, gives them a right to control or mentally or physically abuse us. And, and like you said, I believe that's not what God meant for the submission to be. At all. And I say all the time, like they'll tell you, a man is the head of the house. A man is, mm -hmm. I know it. You don't have to tell me. If you are the head, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you are the head of the house, yes. your actions, a leader leads. And when you lead properly, the people will follow. Well, fine. Look at one thing. Lately, what I see, what I see a lot is a lot of women have become very successful. Have you seen mm -hmm. it? Oh, yeah. Because yes. God is lifting up the women to take care mm -hmm. of the children. God is putting the women in place of the men because the men are not, they are not sitting they're up not, to take their not. position. They're not. But somebody needs to feel in that position. Right, right. So if the women are willing, God will give it to them. Right. And, and Sheila, these are about choices too. The same choices that we had to take, men have to take too. And unfortunately, like you were saying, we're living in a day and time now. Some of the choices that they have made have had them incarceration, away from their family, um, uh, uh, years of bad credit, no job, no security, stable, stable um, uh, stability. And we, we just made our choices and kept going straight up where God has opened the doors and allowed us to be. Because who made those, who, who decided, who took those choices yeah. and had to deal with those consequences? And I, and I was just talking to one of my um, colleagues yesterday and saying, don't, that is not my fault for the bad choices that you made and you're behind yeah. because God is on a move. He's going to use and put people in positions where they need to be positions. And if we got to be in the head, unfortunately, we're just going to have to be in the, in the head until you get yourself together. But of you're course. behind. You're behind. And you're behind because of the choices. They have to take lead. They have these generations, these men that's been took leads and the entrepreneurs and found out how to get me to tell these young people, how to tell these young people, not just how you can get into your own business or entrepreneur and get money in, in the right way, but also how you take care of your home, how you provide for your family, how you love that one that you say you love. God help us. God, <laughs> God help us because it looks like most of us read the Bible upside down. I don't know how we understand it, but I believe that when we pick the Bible to read and we ask the Holy Spirit for understanding, he will give right. us a better understanding because I always do that. And sometimes yeah. there are passages that I might have read a number of times, but anytime I read that passage again, I get a different understanding to it. Yeah. Because the, the, yeah. the Holy Spirit gives me a different dimension to it. So as a man, if God is your head and you are my head and you're not yeah. looking up to God, and you are missing yes. you are always bitter you are always angry and that kind of environment won't bring god in no right so you're right. angry and you've picked your bible you're bitter and you've picked your bible 
you were sinning and you've picked your Bible. Insecure. Yeah. And you expect that when you're praying and all of those things you're doing, God is answering and doing it. It's not happening. And then when that happens and the frustration sets in, and then we, the women on the other side, we become your punching bag. That is not happening. And, and and then your toxic relationship because you yeah toxic relationship yeah you're I'm absolutely right i am just lost for words but um kimmy as we go on how were you able to come out of all of these toxic situations because i know it's difficult yeah yeah um well like i said um sheila that book took you from there through my entire journey of misdiagnosed to 15 years old, getting pregnant, child molestation at the age of 13 in my adopted home. Um, But I had to, um, each chapter, and I didn't do this on my own, Sheila. I want viewers to know that I had my therapist um, sessions. Sometimes during COVID, I had met with her twice a week. To, to finish this book because I had to revisit my entire past, past, um, past. Yeah. and um, I would break down sometimes and cry. Yeah. I had some experience because I was still in my hometown when I seen my biological mother and she still wouldn't give me, I was treated, treated like a stranger, um, um, no conversation, no nothing, just I think as my aunt said, she treated an outsider strangers better than she she treated that me and um this was all during writing the book and um I had to go through each chapter um with help with support I had my children my my children was my biggest support uh system uh were just rooting for me they know the truth they know my biological parents um my biological father passed away uh, he made sure that he called all of his children um, at different times, even including me and, um, and you know, um, apologized and, you know, you know, pretty much said to me, he wished things had, had happened differently. And um, I respect that. But um, we didn't have a relationship. He couldn't change that. But I was just glad that God touched his heart at the end to make it right, you know, and it was accepted. Um, At each chapter, this this phrase, this logo, just kept beating my spirit, just kept, and every time I would say it, it was just like it was a release, and it was accept and embrace it all. So, Sheila, I had to accept. I don't think it, the, the memoir had to take place, and for me to put it into a book form, because many people that even knew half of my story would say, you need to write a book. And this was years ago. You need to write a book. You need to tell your story. You need to tell your story. And throughout my life and my career moves, I would tell pieces of my story when I could. Stay in school. I quit in 11th grade. You're going to have to go back. You're going to have to go back if you want a career and finish that first step, which is a high school diploma. But these were just pieces. Yeah. So until I really got down, Sheila, and got to this uh, root of accepting and got it in black and white, I accepted, and that was my release. Everything that happened in my life and my journey, it happened. And not only did I accept it, Sheila, I got comfortable enough to say, 
I accept that it hurt, that it was not my fault, that I was not the blame. I accept that these some mistakes that I made, I made. I accept that this was a turning point of my life when I was told that I'm a woman now and no birthdays come, birthdays come to me at 16 because I, I got a baby. So all the birthdays go to the baby. Yeah. I accept that I did what I could do as being put in a woman category, a woman, woman place at 15, going on 16. And I had to accept that um, everything that I wanted to expect at the end as a fairy tale may never happen. I had to accept, Sheila, I may never get answers of why yeah. I was given away. Yeah. Why, no, why you didn't fight? Why in 47 years you didn't want a relationship? I had to accept that. And after I accepted this entire journey of my life, I accepted that had it not been me, well, it would have had to been somebody else, but it had to be me yeah. to be the person that I am now. Yeah. God had every one of those chapters in the plan before I was, you know, before I was born, you know, and I, and, and, and I had to go do them. And after I got to that, uh, accepting, I was more, more, more having that ability to embrace who I am, whose I am, what love is, and be ready to receive the love and give the love. I never had no problem in giving, but then receiving the things that we go through and the damages that happen, we always have those, those baggage that's past that, that mentality that has to be renewed of, um, like for instance, the rejection. I felt even in the worst of relationships that I didn't want to be detached because I didn't want to feel the rejection. Yeah. It was better for me to hold on to what I knew that was bringing me down year after year after year was not elevating me. I felt like I was stuck. I felt like I couldn't, I, I, I was worth nothing. I felt that all I was, uh, was um, one time to do was to lay there, have babies and just be a wife and support him. No, no supporting my dreams, no supporting what I needed to do. Didn't even know what I liked to do in life because it wasn't, it wasn't never asked. It wasn't never uh, uh, supported. It was never, um, you know, provided, you know, so I'm looking for all those things in the wrong places. And so I had to embrace that, okay, your journey and you found the root and you accepted the root of your mentality. Now, now you have to do a self-evaluation and invest in yourself and change this mentality, change your anticipation, change this anxiousness, change this way of thinking of being validated. Do what you have to do and know that first it comes from your truth and if you validate yourself. Don't look for anyone else to validate you. Don't look for relationships to come where you expect it to come from. Like, um, I have many siblings, but God has brought so many other females and in my life as just, as just as this as if 
we were born from either a mother or a father, that closeness. You know what I mean? So God, I had to embrace that he will give me, do my um, purpose-driven life exactly what I need to keep moving forward. But as, as I didn't accept and embrace and kept looking back into the anxious Kim and, the, and, 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 and anticipating Kim of what Kim wants and um, break these unhealthy habits, um, I used to think for years that if I thought about myself or something for myself, I was one of the selfish persons in, in the world. So you see how I had to yeah. ask God to continue to in, let me invest we in me. And change, yes, and change that mentality that it's okay. This is nothing about selfish. It's taking care of me. Yeah. It's taking care of him. Yeah. Before we got married, we had a life. Yeah. Our parents took us to school for a reason. Yeah. We got educated for a reason. Why is it that when we get married, we have to stop, be forced to stop? Okay, there are two things here. Let me get it right before um, I'm being implicated. Sometimes when we get married, our husbands will comfortably say, stay home, I'll pay you salary every month. And it, like, they make you comfortable to stay home. Right, right. That is different. But there's the other one where the man wants you to stay home and not earn any income. And he's mm -hmm. not giving you any income to support yourself because definitely you're a woman. You, right. need, you need saying things. And I right. can't keep coming to you all the time. I want to buy this. I right. want to buy sanitary towel. I want to buy, I saw this new earring in the shop when I went food shopping and I want it. And when we as women know what we can deal with and accept and live freely with our decision and our choices and live our truth. I'm not going to live a sad life, first of all. And I talk about in my journey, when I got married, my that second marriage, besides the first one before I was 19, the second marriage, that husband was 11 years older than me. And he never seen me, I don't believe, outside of that age that he married me. It was that control, that possessiveness, <clears throat> this young, young little... Um, cute little thing that was on his side. And he was an excellent provider, an excellent um, um, father. But when it came to husband, his role of being a husband and having a younger, a much younger wife was, I control everything. And we would have the biggest fight. I mean, physically and mentally when I wanted to do something for me. I remember the, the worst, the worst one of them all is when I enrolled in college. I enrolled in college. I was all kinds of bees. He wanted to fight. Oh my gosh. But I ended up not letting it stop me. I knew, and I had, I had this intuition. And one thing about, I can say when God gives you this intuition, especially as, as us women, we tend to kind of uh, uh, always second guess it. That's usually our right. The first, he, God gives us it to us strongly for a reason, yeah. to protect us. Yeah. Do not think your intuition is wrong. If you feel in your gut and then in your spirit and your heart something right, normally it isn't right. So I felt it. I knew Sheila. And when I got that, that worst fight that I can recall about me doing something for myself, I, had, I knew it. I said, by the time, and I didn't even know, I was just enrolling. I said, by the time I finish this, I don't know how long it's going to take me, but by God, I feel this. 
by the time I finished this college, because I wanted that bad, I probably would not be with my husband. And guess what, Sheila? I wasn't. It took me six years. And seriously, it took me six years to finish a four-year degree. When I graduated from Baltimore and the Journal Douglas College, it was on my kids were there. My kids, my aunt, and um, my um, godmom. But um, I wasn't married. I, I knew it because of that, like I said, that spirit that he had, that um, that control, that possession, and stuff like that. And if I was that type of woman that wanted that in my life or accepted that in my life, we probably would still be married today. But I knew that, as you were saying, Sheila, and I am that, that woman now. I tell some of my uh, male friends, if you're looking for someone, even if you were rich, if you're looking for someone to stop working and to depend on you totally for everything, you might as well keep going because I'm not that type of woman. Exactly. If you're rich, I'm going to bring whatever salary I have to your richness, <laughs> to your richness or whatever my entrepreneur business is to your richness because that I, I love making my own money, my money. My money drives me, me being that independent to do what I love. It, 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 it helps my inner spirit. It helps me to feel like I'm a value in this earthly world when I can get out here and work and do what I do and I do well in. I love what I do, you know? Exactly, exactly. Everybody was created for a purpose. So why, yeah. won't, why won't women be allowed to operate in their purpose? Because right. once you start operating in your purpose, like you're operating now, somebody's life is dependent on it. So if you're not operating, somebody's lacking. Right. Because life has been designed such that once you start operating in the purpose God ordained you to be in, then you will be feeding someone else. Not like feeding them, like giving them food or something, but somebody's waiting to feed off your gifting. I don't know if I'm yes. making sense. Yes. So if you're yes. not operating in it, Yes. You're not helping someone. Yes. So it's like you're trying to halt God's process of development on earth. And, and you know, you just, you just gave a good point there, Sheila. And I was saying this, you know, even with exes and relationships, I want to be able to express and, you know, elaborate on what you were just saying that just hit my mind that somebody needed to hear. Just because relationships is over and just because they're over the way they are over and you take a stand and you take a choice to say enough is enough, I can't accept this in a relationship. Don't count it all void because like you were just saying, God has a purpose. Yeah. God just didn't have a purpose for you in the relationship, but they had a purpose for the other person in that relationship. You had to be in that journey with them for, like Tyler Perry said, a season. Not for a lifetime. Boy, and if they didn't catch that lesson, that's not your fault. You continue to move forward. Exactly. Am I not right, Sheila? You are. You get what I'm saying? You are. And I believe that's what you were just touching on as far as work. Yeah. It's been all over my career, and I used to do DUI counseling, that I know that that placement, that title that I'm in in that season, in that chapter of my life was just not for me how many lives that I impact that I needed to impact yeah. that God put me in a yeah. position to impact that yeah. they went home yeah. to their wives or to their mother or to their father and said you know what I had a DUI counselor and let me tell you something she's cool as shit because I was but I would make them work and I used to tell them they used to say Miss 
Kim, you're crazy. I said, no, no, I'm really serious. Yeah. Help me help you. Exactly. I can't do anything by myself. But if you don't help me help you, we're done. We're done. Because I'm not going to do all the work and you're just not going to just come in and feel like you done just came in one time and, and that's it and I'm going to pass you. No. <laughs> no. But, you know, but seriously. So men and us it, as women, yeah. having that support of men to know that we have a calling, we have a purpose, not just for them and our role, but also in this world that we're living in. To give our love, to give exactly. our our spirit, to give our um our work that God has provided for us to do while we're here. This is powerful. This <laughs> is so powerful. You know what, um, Kimmy? When I started this podcast, I'm, I'm I'm beginning to see something here that at least every story we share on this podcast will change a life and will change a situation. Yes. Because somehow, some way, somehow, I also believe that when your abuser is doing it to you, they don't know they're abusing you. I don't, I think they don't know. I think they don't know what they're doing is wrong. Mm -hmm. Because I tend to feel that they feel they're not hurting you. It's, it's something you have to be able to deal with. So right. as we talk about it here, mm -hmm. I pray that if somebody is, at, is in that situation, like is abusing mm -hmm. a woman or a, ma a woman is abusing a man somewhere, they'll yes. know the kind of pain. It, and it can, I'm glad you said, Sheila, and it can work both ways because yeah. there are women abusers and there are women um, um, men, men abusers. abusers. But each, it, it don't matter which sex it is, it's wrong. And, I, and I'm praying the same that you pray, yeah. um, uh, Sheila, that the abuser of either female or male will yeah. will hear this and understand the impact and um the consequences and the and, and the strain that it puts on the one that receives it you know if for nothing at all let's respect ourselves and know that the children are watching right these right. children didn't ask to be born they did not right. so they don't deserve and, it and then Sheila listen at this this is what I, it's so, it's so ironic to me is when I hear that and you, you look at the men that then have daughters yeah. Yeah. that fail to realize or fail to even acknowledge or get to a place in their life and say, would I, how would I feel? If a man or she comes back and tells me that a man has put their hands on her. Yeah. This is yeah. a big, this is a big thing to think about. This is something to really, really think about. How would you feel if your daughter should come home telling you my husband laid his hand on me and I have a face cut, I have my arm bruised, I you know something, how would you feel? So if you know you're not going to be comfortable with that, don't do it to someone else. Exactly, because that someone else is someone's daughter. Yeah. And if they don't have a father or uh, um, anybody that's living, their father living or um, around, that is somebody's child. That is someone's loved one. That is still a woman that has been created for you to love. To love. To, to love. love. To love. Oh, Not hurt. Yeah. To love. Yeah. <laughs> 
I, I don't oh. think love is this difficult. If it was, I don't think God would be would be what the first to do it. No, no, no. <laughs> right. No, I don't. We made it difficult. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we made it difficult. And I feel and I tell love I've learned is not begged. It's not begged for. It's not forced. It's not bought. It's naturally it so beautifully given. Beautifully, wonderfully given. That is un it's 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 so um it's such a uh, a feeling that it's uh it's hard to say that it's unknown when it's done. Yeah. That you're like, oh yeah, this you is what as you were talking, something just came into my mind. I think the episode I recorded. No, the episode that came out this week, the episode mm -hmm. 31 uh, with Jalen, mm -hmm. the, the guy who set up a foundation to help stop bullying in schools. And I think there was one thing he said, when I asked him, he said, love is contagious. Love and affection is contagious. When you give it to somebody, the person will automatically give it back to you. Mm -hmm. You get it. So yeah. if, there's no way somebody's loving you and you're hating the person. Even okay, when you, exactly. even, even when what you hate, yeah, even yes, when you hate the person for, for some time. It's a transferred feeling. Yes, yeah. and it's transferred right. You love and you love beautifully and so loving and kind, it transfers right back to you. Yes. It's not, you don't run away from that beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> you don't run away yeah. from that beautiful love. I know what you're saying, Sheila. I know. I know. So if you're loving me, like you say you are genuinely, why wouldn't mm -hmm. I love you back? Why would right. we be quarreling? Why would we be, you know, shouting and talking on right. top of our voices? Why would we do yeah. that? Right. So I think that right. the essence of love is what we are missing in our homes and in our lives. Right. But if we look as God, as the God of love, because that is where love comes from. Mm -hmm. And we say that we are true worshipers of him and we are yeah. imitators of him and we are not loving the way he loves us, then we are not truly what we call ourselves to be as Christians or as right. children of God. Right. And I right. think that is where we all fall short. For me, every situation I found myself in in life, I've gone on my feet and I've prayed through it. And trust me, if you are listening to me, that's how I deal with my issues. So that is what I can throw out there um, as an option for anybody who is going through something. Because I don't have a friend to confide in, in school and things I used to. But when I got married, I think that I had to cut most of my friends off. Mm. And I see that as an easy way for me. Like it's much better for me. It's made life easier for me. Everyone is different. Right. But when I weigh two things, when I weigh, when I had a lot of friends in my life and when I don't have friends in my life now, I think this time works much better for me. So I don't have anybody to go to, to talk to about mm -hmm. my problems. I don't. Mm -hmm. I've learned to talk to God about it. Right. And I find it to be the best because it gives me all the answers I want. And another thing, my, my problems are not out there mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for everybody to be knowing and just listening and not even giving me any advice and sitting behind and then talking negative about it as well. So right. My advice to anybody going through some situation, just go on your knees. Right. 
okay. just go on your knees. I remember I've asked God for some silly things in life. Like if you listen to you, think what kind of prayer is this? Some mm-hmm. silly prayer requests I've sent to God, but he answered all of them. Mm-hmm. All of them. And, so and, and, don't, yeah. and don't think it's taboo or wrong if you get into a, a, a mental place in your in your life that is not healthy, that's yeah. getting you stuck deeper into depression reach out to a therapist that's what they're for that's yeah. what they're for and yeah. you don't have to worry about you know trying to find a friend or whatever because I, I know exactly what you're saying um Sheila and I can relate some things that I've done I have went through with my exes and uh the relationship is over and I have I will not dare and I have a couple of childhood friends you hear me childhood friends but I wouldn't even dare repeat it yeah it, it's it's just so awful to even to even share and then to have that risk of will it will it be shared to someone else it will even 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 innocently or grudgingly it doesn't matter would it be shared i don't want to risk that so like you were saying sheila um some things that has happened in my life no one knows yeah even about my relationship but god knows yeah and um and then like i was saying i heard and i got and I know when I get to those points, like I can't wait till my, look, Sheila, my, uh, I switch agencies and um, I just got do my probation. So I'm ready for my insurance to kick in so I can see my therapist again, my yeah. therapist that helped me with my book. But um, when I get anxious and when I feel that I'm kind of going into a, 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 a space in my life or a, a, a place that is, that is familiar, that is not healthy, that can put me into another uh, mood spring or uh, not have me be the best mom or best coworker or the best uh, um, uh, career woman that I can be. Mm -hmm. I'll get on the phone and set my session up because I am not above seeking help and knowing that God has placed people in that area in our lives to help and venting helps, and then you can get that other view, looking from the outside, looking in, that knows your, you, that you, you have, um, can confide into your past, and, and to your mentality, or where you're at, and what you want to feel, that you, where you want to go, so I encourage that, but Sheila, I'm right with you as far as that, and I'm glad you, um, you know, you shared that, um, yeah. because um, we're living in a day and time that people need to hear that, um, that uh, prayer and God, and you can talk to him at any time, but also know that uh, you're not in this alone. There's something else I always saw on your website and I want to ask you, how can we find inner peace and resilience through the toughest times? Well, how I found it is by self-love, self-love. I had to um, invest in me and love, love me. Um, and since I've been doing it, I, I'm always a smiler. I've always enjoyed um, giving love, um, but never took the time to self-love me. And um, since I have been doing that and um, loving me, I attract, like you were just saying, I attract the right love. It's just, it's even more radiant mm-hmm. when I smile and when I talk to people because it's no undenying that I love me. And so if I love me, I'm expecting for you to love me exactly. the right way. Yeah. Exactly, 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 exactly. 
let me ask, there's this question I asked one of the guests who came on the podcast. She lost a child and she said when she wrote her book, if it felt as if the burden has been lifted off her after mm-hmm. she's written the book. Do you feel the same? Did you have the same experience? There are certain things in my story. Once I put that whole story together, it was like Maya Angela was saying, and I had just found that on someone's else page about it's 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 not it's 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 such an agony feeling of an untold story until that told that story is told and this is what she said about her life and so I can definitely relate and relate to what you were saying about the other author is that once I got done on black and white and before it was even published but I got it on black and white and I released it the whole entire story of in my truth, the agony of untold was gone. It was lifted. It was something that I lived with until it was released. Something that you live with. Because it's like you were saying, it's the entire, and it's an entire as I came up with it, except that I had I was forced to revisit and accept and say, you know what? Even though people would hear bits and pieces and say, girl, you need to tell your story. Yeah. I yeah. really did know how relevant my story, my journey and how bad and how sad and how amazing and how truly God's love for me mm. until it was released. Yeah. Writing is therapeutic then. Yes, it, it is. is. Yes, it is. It is. It is. And I got many feedbacks from soon as it was released, different nationalities have said, you got me thinking after I read your story to, to share my own. I said, they got it. Yeah. They got it. This is what I wanted to hear. Yes, share your truth, share your story, write it if you have to, but please don't keep it in because yeah. you got to learn and understand. And I got it. This story wasn't meant for me. I, I had to be the character, the main character, to go through it. But it's so much bigger than me. It and is. it's meant for others to hear the story, to know that this journey has happened. And I overcome. And look who I am now. And look where I am now. Yeah. 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 Let's talk about some of your greatest achievements. Mm-hmm. What are some of the... Oh, well... Um, I believe like the greatest achievement was uh, having that um, learning disability and um, going back to school and finishing my um, high school diploma, getting that because I, I quit in 11th grade and uh, the, the, uh, um, obtaining the degrees. And um, that was, I think there, those that educational goals were my um, my biggest achievement, even with going into AME Zion, going to conferences studies. Um, I knew that that one step of going back and finishing would nothing else would cause or be uh, prevent me to finish or accomplish what I set my mind to accomplish as far as my educational goals. And I had uh, uh, I, my godmom, she's been such a supporter and 
she was one that was placed in my life to have me uh, see as an example of a classy, God-fearing woman. And she just got her doctorate. But uh, she was right there um, when I got my first degree. And um, even with that first degree, I knew before I got that first degree, I said, I'm going to get a bachelor's in the career choice. I don't know if it's going to be a social worker or a counselor, but I'm going to get the bachelor's because I, I knew that um, that completion, that not, you know, we can, we can adapt the spirit of incomplete, of not completing things as women. Yeah. And um, I had that at one time. And once I gave that to God and completed that first step of that educational goal, as hard as it was with the, I was in my 20s with three kids or four kids um, when I went back to get my high school diploma. But, and, it, and, and a wife, <laughs> and a wife. But um, I knew that in order for me to go to plan B, which was, to go to college, I had to go back and complete what I didn't finish. Yeah. And yeah. once that, that spirit was cut and I relied on God to do it and I had a tough love teacher because I tried it with her. I tried it when I was almost about to finish. <laughs> I stopped coming. Oh. Can you believe it, Sheila? That, that spirit of incompleteness. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, I, and oh. I was like, forget it. I said, no, I said, you know what? I'm just, you know what? Forget it. And I went in there, hadn't seen her in like two weeks or three. And she looked at me and she closed my, um, my, my book up right in front of my face. And she said, um, you can leave. Oh. Don't waste my time and I won't waste yours. Oh, Sheila, I got in that car and I cried. Mm -hmm. I cried all the way home. But I needed that tough love to go back. Yeah. And when I went back, I went back stronger. I said, I, I, I got to do this. But she needed to tell me that because I was playing and I had that spirit of incompleteness. Like, look, you know, I, I don't really want it. I'm going to get it. I get it. If I don't, I don't. But when she closed that, she seen me and I had been away for like two weeks, not just for, for no reason, just not coming to class. And she closed that book and she said, I'm going to tell you something. She said, don't waste my time and I won't waste yours. You can leave. Okay. And she met it. <laughs> she met it and I left and I came back but Sheila I needed that yeah. and once like I said once I completed and God put me right on into I never forget just before our graduation ceremony was all in place and everything she came to me the same teacher and she said we want this to be a great ceremony and we're so proud of a couple you know certain ones of our students that had um had enrolled in this new program here on the Eastern Shore to get their high school diploma. And she said, so we have uh, decided to pick four to um, say a speech about, <laughs> about their, <laughs> about their, about yes, their, yes. and guess who was one of them? You. Of the four. <laughs> yes. I said, oh Lord, but yes. <laughs> So it, it's, it's always, a, it's, a, it's always an, an, an honor that things have always been done in my life yeah. and journey and, and even the hard road of uh, going through and overcoming and accomplishing and completing, but uh, never the evidence of it. Uh, it's always been clear that yeah. it was for someone else because they always put me in a position to either minister about it or um, share it in one form or another. 
so I was one of the four that was chosen. And uh, we were pictured in the newspaper and here all oh my, my little kids were there, stuff like that. But that was, you know, as you were saying, you know, what was my um, best accomplishments that I can recall is, is those, is, oh those is fulfilling those educational goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good one. Trust me. Um, you needed to fulfill those educational goals for yeah, you yeah. to be able to share your story today. For somebody who's not been able to fulfill their educational goals to know that it's possible to do it. And it's yeah. not too late, no matter what happened, they can still yeah. go back and then get it done. Yes. Because knowledge is power, isn't it? And it once is really you had it, it is. You were able to come out of the situation you were in mm -hmm. at that time. Yeah. This is so, so inspiring. We've got into the time of truth. So I'm going to be asking you a few questions and then mm -hmm. we get to know you better. So what is your favorite book? I probably the Bible right now. <laughs> your favorite song? My favorite, Love Me Like You Never, Like You Never Have. What is the favorite time of the day? My favorite time of the day is usually at night. <laughs> what would your favorite movie be? The color purple right now. What would your favorite phrase be? Then embrace it all would be my favorite phrase. Finish these sentences. I wish. I wish the world would get better. Nothing in this world can. Stop me from achieving anything that I want to achieve in this life. I pray. I pray that God will continue to give me the strength and the love and the joy to finish my purpose-driven life. I would love to. I would love to travel and go to visit Africa and take my daughter to see the motherland. I believe. I believe all things are possible mm. through Christ that strengthens us. Amen. All things. Amen to that. Amen to that. What would your <laughs> best advice be to anybody going through any form of abuse as we wrap up? Please. Please. It may not be easy, but love yourself. Love yourself more. Love your children more. To take control. Get the courage. Get out. Stay out. Live a beautiful life that does not involve any type of physical abuse or mental abuse nothing and that form or fashion is what you have been created to receive where can our listeners connect with you i have a website www kimberly and it's a n n e e e l l dot com uh, on my website, um, I'm open to speak at um, do public speaking um, in any any form, any platform, physical appearance. Um, you can just contact me through that. Um, I'm also on Facebook, um, Kimberly Ann Bell uh, uh, at contact Kimberly Ann Bell. Um, my book is on um, Amazon, The Epitome of Kimmy. Uh, 
you'll see the little brown girl on the yeah. on the front of it. So you can't you can't you can't miss it. Is it right here? So yeah. So, oh, wow. yeah. Wow. so the epitome of Kimmy and it's also in Goodreads. Um, the epitome of Kimmy and if you don't can't relate or know of any um, similarities in your life as far as my journey of um, uh, being divorced uh, four times, married, teenage pregnancy, misdiagnosed, uh, mis uh, uh, um, being abandoned, um, being in kinship, adopted in kinship. Maybe you know someone has. So I encourage you to get the book and uh, read it thoroughly and uh, see the hope and the trust that I had on and the transformation that I had to go through from the beginning to now where I'm at now. This is beautiful, Kimberly. <laughs> I'd like to say a very big thank you for coming on podcast with Sheila today to share the story the way you have shared it. Thanks. People cannot share the story the way you've done it. <laughs> and you shared, you shared it with so much passion that I believe that anybody who listens to this episode or watches on YouTube will be able to relate if they're going through or know somebody who is going through a situation like that, get the book and read it. And then I think that it's going to be a blessing to you and whoever you pass the book on to. If you've been listening in, this is season two, episode 33 of our podcast series, where we've been bringing your way seasoned guests with inspiring real life stories to share with us. Do not miss out on all these lovely experiences. Subscribe and be notified when a new episode is released. Whilst at it, please, drop us a rating and don't forget to share it as well. We have a video presentation of this episode on our YouTube channel. Just check for podcast with Sheila on YouTube and you'll find us. Until we meet again. Mm -hmm.